Trek program. It's time for action, Program complete. Listen when ready. <laughs> All right. I am recording. There's my, my legally obligated <clears throat> notification. <throat> All right. I don't have any witty banter to start this one off because... Officially we're, recording! We're officially we really recording. count on you for witty banter. I You shouldn't. No one I should. Because we, <laughs> um, we have a better episode than this than us just watching Star Trek. So, sure. welcome to the Nerd Trek Podcast, everybody. I am Jeff. Thank you for listening. I'm here with Phil. Hey, everybody. And David. We take a break from DS9. Yay! <laughs> you shut Maybe. your mouth. You shut your mouth. I mean, I love mouth. DS9. We need to, we need to break <laughs> every now and then from watching. last week when we were on board the cruise. That's true. That's right. That's right. More importantly, we have a guest with us uh, today. Welcome, Stephanie Chukowski. Thanks for joining us. Yay! Yay! Thanks for having me. Wait a second. Like, you nailed the name. Nailed the name. I, I may or may not have been practicing a little bit. <laughs> I was going to say, I would have gotten it completely wrong. <laughs> There's so many consonants. There's so many consonants. Like when I was, when I was a child in second grade, I actually, there was a point where I spelled my name wrong. Like I would oh. just start C Z A J K L M N O P. Like I, I would like kind of like just throw them all in. Well, when your last name is ten letters long and you're that small, exactly. trying to get them all right. Nor exactly. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Uh, no, thank you for joining us for doing this. Um, some of our listeners may not know, but you, I mean, you've been acting for a while. I think people would probably recognize you from one of my favorites because I'm a fanboy a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Doom P- P- Patrol is. Uh, a great show and you play play hammerhead, hammerhead. on that yeah, I, so I thought good. you were gonna go with i didn't know i was pregnant oh. <laughs> see phil <laughs> thanks for going for the deep cut see one, that's why we have phil yes he has, just has to go straight to hammerhead because my favorite was a small role on the rookie where she got to go on a rampage and kill people and do a bunch of stuff after she got yeah. diagnosed with cancer that was my favorite I, one but i didn't kill anyone i don't think like i <laughs> almost killed people like you know but cool. then I, I brought it back. You were a firefighter on Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I remember yeah. that. It's like, there's all sorts of, like, you've been here and there all over the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I threw an axe. I threw an axe on bones. That's one of my proudest Ooh. moments. Actually. Wait, actual oh. axe or like prop rubber cheap axe? No, an actual axe. I yes. was playing a lumberjill who nice. was a, you know, was a closeted lesbian, but the show opened with her throwing an axe because it was a lumberjack show mm. and the lumberjacks and jills were there and they showed me how to do it about eh, 10 20 minutes before we were going to roll and david boreana so, so you got some hardcore actually, training okay and i'm actually pretty i was it turned out that i was actually pretty good at it and so the shot you see on on camera actually was the shot like i managed to like hit it and it was really good i'm very proud of it and they rolled up and and they asked me, I think David asked me, he said, how long have you been doing that? And I'm like, about 20 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. It's it's just a natural skill. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Pure talent. Um, but people will probably also recognize you from the current show. Uh, you were uh, Lieutenant Tavine uh, aboard the Titan on uh, the uh, season three of Picard, um, yes. which is awesome. Yes. yes um, it's amazing. It's amazing. I know, which is just cool. Well, no, because it's funny. We were watching it because we went to the premiere, uh, David and I did. And I, like mm-hmm. we were watching it. And I was like, she looks really familiar. Where is she from? And I was like, because, well, plus you didn't have any hair. So I was like, there's only like, right. a, a, it's a very narrow bandwidth of like, of actors who kind of stand out like that. I was like, that's where yeah. she's from. Well, yeah. and apparently they can only afford one 20 watt light bulb to light the entire bridge set. So <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going yeah. on there. Was it that dark while you were filming? <laughs> It was not. It oh, did okay. not seem that way. It was it was very moody. Um, yeah. but also when you take a camera and you have aperture and how much oh, light yeah. is getting shut in, it right down. Know? So yeah. yeah. So on yes. yeah, on on set I could see everyone. Oh, okay. Very much. Oh, yeah, like, somebody turn up the lights a little bit. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it's mood. It's mood it's lighting. Mood. It is. It's dark. Um, well, let's start with this. So kind of uh, one of the things that we always ask uh, guests is so what we often start with 
how they got into to Star Trek, but I kind of wanted to ask, <laughs> what is your nerd Trek? Like, what are you nerdy about? Is it like gardening or 1950s Swedish music or like, like, what are you nerdy about? <laughs> I admittedly, and this came later in life, I am super nerdy about Elvis. Ooh. I, and that was something that I did not expect. Um, I've never been somebody who's been super, super into one thing. Like I'm amiable to so many things. I think that's one of the wonderful things about being an actor is you get to experience and investigate so many things. And one of my first professional jobs was playing an Elvis fanatic, like a super serious like stalker <laughs> um, for this Ooh. show, which was a dinner theater performance of this thing called Discovering Elvis. And it was about a woman who's obsessed with these Elvis impersonators thinking one of them was reincarnated. <laughs> and one of them, and basically she, she holds them all hostage and blah, blah, blah. But there was all this research. Like I'm a big, I think the big nerdy thing I'm big and nerdy about is when it comes to characters that I am doing is I really love specifically if they're not in this particular world we live in or are in a profession I don't understand or haven't been exposed to mm -hmm. is really just diving in and just immersing myself in that world. And in this instance, I was trying to figure out why people loved Elvis so much and it kind of stuck. It was kind of like, it was kind of like herpes. Like you get it and then you're stuck with it. Yeah, right? right so, <laughs> yeah. So when the Elvis movie came out, I was like, oh my God, Elvis. Like when the Elvis movie, the Baz Luhrmann movie came out yeah. and, you know, I was shooting in Memphis in December of last year and we happened to be shooting on the sets, the Graceland set. So I actually got to, got to go to Graceland. Like it was a whole thing. Oh, wow. Thing. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, okay. So uh, how did you fall into acting then? Because your TV credits are pretty recent. So, but yeah, did you I, always act like through high school and stuff? What What's kind of your background there? So I, the, the ongoing story apparently is when I was five. I was watching reruns after kindergarten or nursery school or something of <laughs> the Brady Bunch. They were on syndication. I, mm -hmm. I, I grew up in Southern Wisconsin and they were on syndication. And when Oliver came on, I think it's when Oliver came on. Oh, I was cousin like, Oliver's. Cousin Oliver. <laughs> like suddenly it wasn't just the Brady kids. It was other kids. And I made my mother write a letter to the affiliate ABC station, Channel 12, and ask if I could be on the show. And they wrote back, they were very nice, they wrote back and they said, the show has not been on for decades. Yeah. Um, and if you would like to be an actor, then you should go to acting class, you should modeling, acting, et cetera. Um, and it kind of started from there. I went to a very small Catholic um, grade school and somewhere around, I think, third or fourth grade, Instead of writing a report on a historical figure, I decided that I instead wanted to do a play about Louis Pasteur. And so I started writing plays about stuff, and then they let us act in them. And then we moved to, you know, the suburbs of Chicago, and then I did Summerstock. And then it was it was just on set from there. I um, Once I saw Grease, much like many people I know, once I saw Olivia Newton-John do Sandy, I mm -hmm. wanted to be an actor and a singer. Like that was my thing. And it was just straight okay. sailing from there and trying to figure out how the fuck to do it. Because yeah. I did not come from that kind of background at all. So. So then, okay. Cause I'm a nerd and I've looked, you went to NYU. <laughs> I did. So it, was at that point then that you realized, okay, if I want to be a screen actor, I have to make the move from New York to LA. I will. I was doing theater. I was doing um, off-off Broadway theater. I wanted to be in musicals. I um, aforementioned that uh, Elvis sh uh, mm -hmm. play I did was a musical. I actually I do a mean Elvis impersonation. One of the best compliments <laughs> I will ever have is a busboy being like, I th thought you were a man. And I was like, yes, just because I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I found that the one thing I knew I wanted to do was work. Um, and I'm a five foot 10, deep voiced, tall, strong woman. Um, and 
there aren't a lot of roles in, and I didn't dance. Like I was a mover, not a dancer. So there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of theater roles. There weren't hard to be in, hard to be in musicals if you can't dance. Yeah, at least not this time. <laughs> I was trying to do it, and I thought about doing like I started to try to go into film and TV, and then 9/11 happened, and uh, everything kind of dried up. And I had yeah. a friend who moved to LA, and she was like, "Come out here. There's so much more work." And so I did, and I kind of found my niche a little bit in, you know, being cops, being cops, being firefighters, being thank you Shonda Rhimes, like being yeah. People who carried guns and weapons like that is kind of my ballywick in a lot of ways, at least the early parts of my career. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So. I mean, everybody knows. I mean, I think most people will probably know you from your recurring role on Doom Patrol then as Hammerhead. Yeah. yeah. So how did all of this kind of roll into that? Because I think it. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. It, that was pretty much that was one of your major like, hey, I'm a recurring character. That was my first, yeah, that was my first big multi-episode project, multi-episode that had a fan base to boot because, you know, other, I had been on um, Bones, which a lot of people had watched. I'd been on Grey's Anatomy and sometimes people would be like, hey, I just saw you on this, you know. Yeah. Um, Hey, you're on NCIS, what? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you kind of bounce around and when I booked Doom Patrol, it was the first time that I had been, you know, I'd been a guest star before, but it was a different experience altogether being someone who was recurring on a show. And that in particular came at a very synchronicitous time. I was, you know, I've been pretty open about the fact that, you know, I had, I was diagnosed with three different cancers within 16 months. I don't recommend it. Um, But (laughs) it also, it also, you know, I also was going through chemo. And so I knew I was going to lose my hair. Like I had long hair for a very long time. Like I never had short hair. Hmm. And because of chemo, I was like, well, it's going to fall out anyway. So I shaved it and I got a new headshot. And, you know, when you're in film and TV, you have kind of a, not a box they put you into, but, you know, as I mentioned, like I'm a tall, strong person. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that typecasting stuff going on. So you're in, so I'm holding guns. I'm like a cop. I'm a, so suddenly it kind of solidified that look in such a way that then doom patrol kind of literally fell out of the sky like it was one of those things that i i look back and there's part of me that's like i only got it because i was bald and my husband's like shut the fuck up but he yeah. was like a, looking like things. a badass though that's the thing. And it, well it's one of those things that it i feel like when roles are right for you and this is true before doom patrol as well when something's right for you, it's just really right for you. It's it's meant to be kind of your role. And mm-hmm. in this instance, specifically with that hair, it was just kind <laughs> of like hand glove and, you know, casting. Once they booked me, they were like, don't change the hair. And I was like, it's not going to happen for a while. Yeah. You're like, don't worry about it. Man. Yeah. And then I just, you know, and then in I ended up was I was fortunate enough to be in, you know, I'm in every season. And so when my hair grew back, they had to be like, eh, her hair's grown back. And they're like, well. Will she shave it? And I'm like, sure. And so they like <laughs> negotiated a little bump for me to shave it. Mostly, mostly because I didn't have an issue, obviously having a bald head. Cause I have one in, you know, Star Trek as well. Yeah. Or in Picard, but also, you know, doing a really good bald cap is really time consuming and really hard. Like it's cheaper to have me shave my head. It's much cheaper. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh yeah. yeah. And just makeup and everything wise, it's gotta be way yeah. easier. So when you played Hammerhead, that was the first time where you were playing a character that had already kind of been defined, right? Because it was been in comics and now you were stepping into the the feet of a character, whereas before they'd been one-offs. Did they let you kind of like build your own backstory for her or did you have to stick with what was in yeah, the comics? what kind of guidance did you have? Well, you, went through there? you read the comic, you know, you read the comic, or at least I did because I was like, okay, I got to know again as much as I can. And I also... Mm-hmm. I'm also a fan of um, Grant Morrison. Like I, I loved Happy. I, you know, I have his new book that I just started. Is I really, really enjoy his writing. Mm. And they were already. I come in in season one on episode nine, and they hadn't dropped the season yet. So, not only are you coming in to become a role that, you know, has has been established in comics, but also Diane has established because that's where you're seeing hammerhead first you were seeing her through diane on the surface 
And as an actor coming in, you have no frame of reference because it hasn't aired yet. It's the first time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that was really interesting from the standpoint that I was like, well, this is my take on this. And casting was very helpful in the room at, of being like, well, you know, Diane is kind of diminutive. And so when you're doing this, try it this way or try it that way. And hmm. it was interesting to find out to meet Diane and then see how she played Hammerhead and be like, oh, we had similar takes on how Hammerhead presents in the outside world. And also it they feed into each other inside uh, Jane's brain. Mm -hmm. So it was the first time there, it was figure out everything you know and what you think, and then don't be afraid to ask. Diane was very collaborative and open about being like, specifically when you're interacting with other personalities, how each personality feels about the other, because that's mm -hmm. also a relationship you have to kind of figure out because there's one thing of everything being on the surface, but then everything works hopefully and a nice, easy, you know, collaboration underground, but it doesn't, obviously, because there's so much fighting for control that you also have to look at the other personas and be like, okay, in this space, how does Hammerhead interact with Baby Doll and Jane and Secretary and all and Pretty Polly? And yeah, what mm -hmm. are what are her relationships to them within Jane? Because she has one job on the surface and that job still sticks. But how does it manifest underneath, too? So it's it's all kind of of one same thing, but also trying to expand it to. Yeah, it sounds deep. really simple, but it's actually really multidimensional and deep. Yeah, well, I, I like to think of it as multidimensional, like, you know, because I think there is a there is a. Uh, not a mistake, I don't want to say mistake, but I think it would be very easy for an actor specifically. And I found this and I think it's why I've been I've been semi-successful in these kind of roles, like in playing someone who's really angry. Because people tend to play anger just as anger, as if anger doesn't come from somewhere, if, as if anger is not really hurt, mm -hmm. is not, you know, is not really based on all these other things that create, you know, the ballywick of love and hate, I think. And so when I'm dealing with you know, I'm going to kill somebody. Like I worked on a show called MacGruber playing, you know, an assassin <laughs> who's like badass. I'm like, well, why does she hate everyone? Like, you know, what, <laughs> what is the thing that is human about these characteristics that everyone can relate to? And in Hammerhead's case, I think her only way of dealing with hurt and fear and, you know, this unabiding love and protection she has for Kay and, for Jane, well, for Jane by association is her way of acting out is with her fists. Like that's how she can hold on to control, you know? Yeah. Mm. Well, you go from a character like that all, and then all of a sudden now you're playing Tavine, who's an yeah. emotionless Vulcan. What, <laughs> what was your exposure to Star Trek before Picard? Have, have, um, did you know anything about it? Are you going I in did, blind? I did. And I will, and I will, and I will say, People make the mistake that Vulcans are not, they have no emotion and they do yeah. like they mm -hmm. control their emotion, which yeah, is it's just control because yeah. I've also watched a lot of actors I, or, that I've perceived as people just being like, I'm a robot. I have no emotion. And, you know, if you go again, big nerd, if you dig into <laughs> memory, alpha, thank God. Right. You know, oh, we <laughs> love memory. Alpha. Oh my God. I love memory. <laughs> alpha. Oh my God. I'm just like, thank you fans. Thank you, fandom. <laughs> right. um, but if you look at, you know, how deeply Vulcans feel things, yeah. you know, and how, how it almost destroyed them. I mean, it's I mean, Gene Roddenberry, it's it's not it's not a, a, a jump to be like, oh, Gene was talking about people, all people, you know. So it's it's easy to make it's easy to make that connection and then know how to be like, oh, I'm a woman. I'm not supposed to show my feelings. No way. No, I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> but, you know, but, but finding those similarities. Um, my entree to Star Trek um, was through my dad, was through my dad. He was a big original series fan. He mm -hmm. was an enormous next generation, particularly Worf, loved mm -hmm. him some Worf. Um, so my entree <laughs> was through there as, as a kid, 
watching it with him on Saturday when it was again in syndication. Yeah. He was, you know, doing his homework because he went to night school to get his BFA and we would watch it on weekends on this weird green couch we had. But he was a, he was one of the TOS fans back then who actually liked Next Generation. Yeah. Because that's yeah. we've heard so many people like, oh, yeah, my my I was into it or my parents were into it, but they couldn't stand the next generation. And how dare they try and take over the the iconic roles from oh, the original wow. series characters kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah I've heard some, some of the opposite oh, yeah. like, took people a time to come no, around. I, to think, I think my dad in particular, you know, when we you know, when I was talking about like people who don't know how to express their emotions and a lot of times they just come out as anger because yeah. they don't know how to navigate those feelings is he loved Worf I think because Worf just went out you know with no like at least I, we're seeing him develop now but the fact yeah. that he would just go and kill people and just be like unapologetic about it like yeah that the emotions was, are just, dad, like just right there. <laughs> and he was a big guy and he was a big guy my father can I, was like can I ask is your dad still with us he is not actually he passed oh. away a couple years ago oh, I'm so sorry that's I okay. can I can I can imagine his reaction to learn that you were getting to play to be yeah, and, and be I part think, of be part of this universe and yeah yeah uh, there is a um I've shared it for a couple of people that you know he is like I said a big Michael Dorn fan and in 2015 um he came out and I was selling things on eBay I was flipping stuff um before everybody did it on TikTok <laughs> and I brought him to the Goodwill outlet which is this place where Goodwill like takes their sale clothes and you can buy them by the pound yeah. to show him because he was very impressed with anyone who could make money selling stuff that, you know, should be free. And we found a jacket in those bins in L.A. That was his size. It was an Emporial Armani um, <laughs> linen beige jacket. And it fit him like a teen. I had a stain on the on the on the sleeve. And I was like, Dad, Stan, just take it like again. Six foot three, Midwest, retired to Vegas, you know, wardrobe of jorts and short sleeve shirts with flames on them. Like this right. is his like stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we get at home and he's showing my husband and he reaches in the pocket. And as actors, we get our audition appointments and um we print them out and we take them with us. And it says our name and you know the the agency and where we're going. And in that pocket was an audition appointment for Michael Dorn. Oh, and he took crap. it out and he was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is Michael Dorn. Like, I have never seen like if there could be like utter glee and we yeah. fixed it. And he was he was on Match.com at the time. So <laughs> he would go out on dates and he would wear this jacket and he'd be like, do you know Michael Dorn? What? <laughs> <laughs> that was his big selling point. This is his jacket. Like he wore that jacket everywhere. He when he passed Why? away, and we went through his stuff. That is like one of the things we kept mm. because yeah. Had he been in like had we buried him, we would have buried him in that jacket. So I actually got to tell Michael that story. Yeah. I started oh, yeah. with the fact that he, he had passed away, but like, and show him pictures. And I showed at the premiere, I showed Michael a picture of my dad in that jacket, and Michael was like. I remember that jacket. That's a good jacket. I'm like, yes, it is. Like, that's the one with the stain on the cuff, right? I'm like, I was like, Michael, we got the stain out. If you ever want it back, he's like, I was a bigger guy then. I can't wear him anymore. I'm like, okay, we're going to keep it. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. It was very big circle. I think he would have been thrilled. I think he would have been thrilled. That is so awesome. Well, speaking of Tavine and Star Trek and everything, how did you come into this place where it's like, hey, here we are and having to keep it secret for so long? Oh, God, that is because the worst. Is, I can't even imagine. It's like, hey, I've got this awesome role on this historic franchise, and right? I can't say a damn thing about it for, what, for a, a year, year and a half now? Yeah. yeah, well, it's, <clears throat> I think we wrapped, we wrapped, the series wrapped, or, like, we wrapped season three, I guess the series wrap was the beginning of mid I think it was mid-February, so it'd be a year officially year now. now. Yeah. Um, but I just kept remembering, I kept being like, well, I hope maybe they'll just bring it out earlier. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, I got it the way actors get, you know, all jobs. There was a breakdown for I can't remember what they called it. It had a it had a secret name because everything is like super secret and there's yeah, an NDA and you can't know anything. And you know, sometimes mm -hmm. they're fake names and fake sides and and I knew 
I knew enough that I was familiar with Liz Dean, the casting director, and I knew mm-hmm. she was casting Picard. Like I, I try to make myself aware of who's doing what. Yeah. And so it came in, it's like science officer. And I was like, Hmm, this is Star Trek. <laughs> and, so, and when I did it, like there was no determination of what species, what like, you know, I just, it felt very Vulcan. It reminded me of Spock. And I was well, kind of like, yeah, what oh. would a starship be without a Vulcan science officer? Yeah, you know, I mean, that's what I knew. That's what it felt like. And I was like, yeah, well, this is my variation on this. Yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it was a pretty fast turnaround because I, I don't know when they had decided they were going to do two and three back to back. I think it was in the middle of two, probably. So yeah. they had they barely had wrapped two. And I got a self tape. It was a Wednesday. It was due by Thursday. I was booked on Friday. The next week I was oh, getting my, you know, I was getting my uniform fitted. Yeah. They're like, okay, here you go. It was so, crazy. It was, so you kind of went through was, the more traditional practice. So it's not like you knew like, a turbo speed, Oh, I, I did cow. something with Alex Kurtman or somebody knew somebody. Yeah, no. yeah. And it was funny. Cause that, you know, I, I'd come off another show. I had, I'd been working on a show called, I'd been working on the reboot of MacGruber in um, uh, Albuquerque. I hadn't been back that long. I had grown my hair back like a smidge because I had come off to it. Like it was this crazy run, which not crazy. It's what you hope for as an actor where you go from one job to like you just go from job to job, yeah. which had never happened before. And, you know, a job that I'm in a, like a series of episodes. And so the, you know, headshot they had given was bald. And I just kind of was like, well, I feel as if for this audition, I should reshave my head. <laughs> <laughs> because I look vastly different with hair and yeah. I just felt I had actually had two auditions that week and they used this same headshot and they were kind of ethereal and I was like yeah we want to do this bald and so once I did it I came in they had decided I was a Vulcan based on like I thought I was a Vulcan they decided yes I'm a Vulcan I tried on some wigs tried on the ears and then you know as I was about to leave and they called me to come talk to Terry and somebody was like, oh, you're friends with Terry, right? I'm like, no, I've never met him. No, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Yeah, they're like, who and, do you know that's got, yeah. Yeah, I do, you know, and I went down, I was friends with Todd prior to that, but, you know, um, it was on Terry's show, so, yeah. but um, <laughs> I went down and then we, you know, started talking about, like, it, we started talking about if there were bald Vulcans and, he, you know, we decided let's take a beat, let's go to memory alpha and like yeah. let's go see and then we came away with deciding that you know it's the year 2500 so why the fuck not you know well yeah and the the look is it's great because yeah it really a, is a bold, it, besides being striking i think mm-hmm. it also focuses your attention like on your facial expression and just I, yeah you have a, the look and I think that's it's not it's it's emphasized and not distracted because oh yeah you have like the traditional short Vulcan bob or yeah. whatever. It's well, like, and wearing that like, traditional like, bob, I gotta tell you, Vulcan, very, you're like what? Yeah, I'm sorry, I was gonna say wearing that traditional bob would have been very striking or very distracting because they looked terrible on me. Yeah. Terrible. Oh. <laughs> it makes the ears well, stand out too without the hair. You can see yeah. them. You're like that's like immediately you're like that's a Vulcan. You're not sitting there looking like okay like, is the hair gonna move? Going on? Are, are we gonna see the tips? Where are they? Like I know. <laughs> well and and with the, the I don't I don't know what to call it now the diversity in species that we're seeing now. So yeah. like the first season of the Disco where we had albino Klingons and we're yeah. dealing with like hey yeah there's more out here than just this cut the yeah. the V uh, sideburns. It's like, yeah, there's mm-hmm. there's yeah. diversity in all these cultures as well. It's not just cookie cutter, same people. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and when we and when we had talked about it, too, is, you know, with the bald, I was like, well, you know, they have old lady bald Vulcans and the most, you know. Iconic in sense of like, oh, it's bald is Delton. And I was like, what if, you know, mm-hmm. we're like, what if she yeah. were 25? What? You know, I I'm not sure exactly. Well, I have my ideas of how that happened, but. That's not based on like that's not for you know season three of Picard. It's your, it's your right? headcanon stuff, yeah. Tafine, Stiffy, it's my headcanon, right? It's it's Tavine's got her job, she does it well. It's more you know when you're you know when you're doing your job on the ship, you ideally at least I do you try to make 
you know, the character as full as possible. And all of those things inform and also just makes it more fun. It's just, it's that much more play. Okay. And because we asked this of pretty much everybody that we get that's been on shows, what was it like putting on that uniform the first time? You're sitting on the bridge, Frakes and Sir Patrick Stewart come out and holy shit, right? Uh, yeah. Your first thing is, <laughs> your first thought is, well, my first thought was, holy fucking shit, I'm on Star Trek. <laughs> and then you forget about it a little bit. You start to do it and you, you know, you see Sir Patrick Stewart and, you know, I was, I, first time I ever saw him, he was doing, I saw him do the Tempest in New York, but mm-hmm. also just, you know, watched bits, you know, wasn't as into the next generation as enough so that I was like, oh my God, he's amazing. Um, yeah. Which, of course, you don't want to let on to because that would be weird. Right. You're trying to keep everything in check. And, you know, and you're like, oh, shit. And then you forget about it and you do your job. And then yeah. every so often it comes back in swarms. Like, and then all of a sudden you fangirl and you're like, wait a second, where am yeah, I again? you fangirl yeah. a little bit. Or, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, in certain respects, like the nerves kind of get to you in a way that you're like, what the hell? You didn't, you know, think they're going to be there. And then they subside and... You know, I, for me, in particular, Jin, who plays um, Asmara, and I would talk about how we'd sit in our seats and we'd have, you know, a break between setups. And you look around the bridge and just recognize where you were and yeah. recognize how lucky you were be to, how lucky you were to be a part of this iconic franchise, how so many people would literally kill to sit in these seats on the daily. So it's, you know, it's surreal and it's wonderful. And you try when you're there, at least I did, to take it in because you know it's only going to last for so long before you wrap and you move on, you know? So, yeah, I just, it, it sometimes sounds so, you know, cheesy a little bit, but you feel really fucking blessed. You really feel blessed. And then you don't want to fuck up. And then yeah. you don't want to fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I don't want them to have to do another. Don't be the one to mess this up. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to fuck up. Yeah. That's well, okay, so you had mentioned that you were friends with Todd before, and we got to not necessarily hang out with him, but be around him a bit on the cruise. So we know he's a nice guy. He's very fun. He's not at all like he is on the show. How he's do you feel really about into live Cap- music? Had yeah. No idea. What? He was very into live music. We had some live music playing. He came by and and listened. Oh with- yeah with everybody um but how do you feel about captain shaw not necessarily todd because it's a very different personality um how do you feel about him <laughs> as well, part of I, his group? <laughs> yes well i stephanie kind of much <laughs> like everyone else i'm like wow what a dick um i <laughs> stephanie i not yeah. to be you know but i think that's always for a purpose right um yeah. when it comes to tavine's opinion of him I think that she looks at things from a larger perspective than just how people interact in the moment. I think she takes into consideration how they act in the moment, but also makes a point of knowing, and I kind of do this too, makes a point of knowing all the circumstances that surround it. Because I think in any situation, and now I'm speaking as to me and me, Mm -hmm. I think in any situation, (laughs) the information you have the more educated a decision you can make. But I also I also think when it comes to Devine, you know, she respects the chain of command. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. so who would Stephanie's captain be in Star Trek? Oh. I you know, I mean, part of me is wants to jump on the Jerry train because I think Jerry seven of nine being a captain would be fucking that, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that that came up many times on the cruise. Like, oh, yeah. a, se- <laughs> yeah. a, a Captain Seven spinoff, something. Oh something. God, yeah. yeah. I mean, right? <laughs> um, I think of established captain captains. I'd go on the, I would go on the uh, Riker, the Riker trip. Like, I would like to, okay, to be on, you know, his bridge. Yeah. Mostly because Jonathan's so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing we found. They did a couple. They did one live read through on the cruise of an old TOS script uh, with the oh, Porta. Yeah, yeah so, and they play, had all the different people playing different parts. 
and they were it's like they had a competition trying to crack each other up yeah and it was it was great to see like the interaction just how much fun they had they had a couple of those um where they got to ad lib some as well and yeah it it was great getting to see them kind of be a little more relaxed and having fun so yeah Mm -hmm. there was a there was a there was also a moment in um in no win scenario when we're literally like holding our breaths because we're gonna die or whatever like Mm -hmm. and there was there was a moment at least i don't think it made it to screen but um where in those moments when we were shooting jonathan and i always kind of had this look and i'm like i wonder if tavine like feels he's got the like (laughs) i don't know things things we get to think and then never really talk about talking about that might be a logical there, choice. There will right? be some fanfic out there at some point about it, I'm sure. Oh, God, right? Because <laughs> that's apparently what we do now. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Well, our time with you is almost up, but I did want to touch on one other thing real fast. And uh, you'd brought it up a little bit earlier about being a three-time cancer survivor. Yeah. Um, my understanding is they were totally unrelated. Yeah, yeah. Um, is, it's not just, uncommon, actually. Um, really? I mean, it's pretty uncommon. I like to think I'm incredibly you're, unique. You're um, totally unique. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I had thyroid cancer, which we found on a rando scan because that's how we're finding cancers now, which thank God, you know, you you find them before they are really, you know, starting to have, um, symptoms. Mm -hmm. And then right after that, I found a lump in my breast and breast cancer. And then we just checked for other potentials and I had kidney cancer. I was like, yeah, dude, (laughs) trying to be the mayor of cancer town. Um, thankfully, We caught them all pretty early. The, the yeah, the thyroid and the kidney have. I mean, we cut them out, so they're not there anymore. Yeah. And the breast cancer is kind yeah. of a. It's we you know we're we're keeping an eye on it. It's it's not active, yeah. and we're just keeping a close eye on it for the rest of my life. Is kind of where it sits. Um, uh-huh. Did they did they have any major impact or anything on your acting career or being able to work and whatnot? Because I'm sure you had some downtime. And I mean, you talked about going through chemo and losing your hair and stuff, which was maybe a, a really good thing because it did um, give you, you know it gives you a really ins- standout look yeah you know what's <laughs> insane is it didn't give me any de- like there was downtime a little bit but I'm also a fitness instructor so it gave me downtime from having a bread and butter job that I was like and also having that idea that I always had to be working like I always had to be working because who knows what was going to happen right yeah um and when I was diagnosed I actually <laughs> pre-chemo I was gonna have my double mastectomy and like right before I was going in for surgery I booked Call of the Wild the Disney movie or the Disney Fox movie okay. with Harrison Ford I play the postmaster and they booked it and I was like okay I'm having a double mastectomy and literally my question was when does it shoot yeah. and so I was out of recovery from a double mastectomy went directly into that movie shot it, wrapped, went directly into chemo, did chemo, finished it, I was almost finished it up. I had like one more session, went to Atlanta, shot, Doom Patrol, came back directly to chemo session, my final one. Like, so it was, it was ongoing. I was incredibly lucky because again, I mentioned I have a fitness instructor stuff. I was very healthy. Like, if you're going to get a shit ton of cancer and you're going to firebomb a body, I was a great one to do mm-hmm. um, because uh. prior to this, I had no other, you know, ailments. I, you know, it was, it was shocking and weird. And as we've gone along, I found out that apparently there's a lot of cancer in my grandfather's side of the family, my mom's dad's side, my mom's dad's side of the family, mm-hmm. both of my parents are dead. So Trying to get a family history from a 90-year-old uh, grandmother. Anyone yeah. out there? No, Super man. hard. Not yeah. to mention the fact. <laughs> not to mention the fact that we have, you know, we have historically, we are a group of people who don't like to talk about bad things. And so if someone in your family, your extended family gets cancer, at least mine, and this is not uncommon, people are like, oh, no, it's just her. As if we don't all share genetics. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You know, so it's so it's been an interesting thing, but you know, it it hasn't been downtime. But what it did do for me is it gave me the agency that I didn't felt feel I had before to be like, nope, to say no to things. 
mm-hmm. because I would just keep saying yes. And if I, if I wasn't, you know, shooting or working, I would go work. And so now I have to really honor where my body is, like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, and if you say, if you have to say mm-hmm. no, you say no, then. Yeah. Also, it gave me this look. But that's got that to be freeing, too, though, to be able yeah. to say no. and be like, Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, and it's also given me this weird, like, I would have never shaved my head of my own accord, right? So yeah. it, mm-hmm. it was such a, it was such a lemons to lemonade situation in a way that I almost, it blows my mind a little bit because I'm like, oh, okay, I guess this is just how things are going to be. Like, it it very much set me up in a good place for COVID because I was like, well, <laughs> right? we have no control over anything. So you just got to ride it. Like, yeah, I was like, you're like, I've been going with the flow for years. Exactly, I'm, I'm, I got right? this down. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it really just, it really gave me in that way, a way of just being like, things are going to happen. Don't freak out about them, but live in the moment because you don't know how many of them you have left, you know? Yeah. Well, and then you did the the podcast, Chemo Skinny, um, kind of t- talking <laughs> about turning lemons into lemonade. And I, I've listened to some of it. Um, oh, thanks. It, it is. I know it's kind of directed towards couples going through the same thing. And thank yeah. the Lord, my wife and I aren't yeah. at the moment, at least. But, thank uh, God. <laughs> Uh, but it is very interesting. But how how soon after you had all the treatments and everything, did you guys decide to record a podcast about going through that as a couple and how that was going to impact everything? When I was first diagnosed with thyroid cancer, I was like, whatever. But when the breast cancer came on and then we're like, oh, and then the kidney cancer, I really didn't know if I would ever work again. Like, I didn't know if I would have to stop working. I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. And we started looking for information just about how do you handle it as a couple a little bit, mm-hmm. because as we were going through it, we're like, oh, this is interesting. No one tells you about this. Or right. So when I, a couple of days before my double mastectomy, I, I hadn't really told anyone And I wanted to tell people, but I also didn't want to have to deal with what you deal with, which we talk about, I think, in episode three. What happens when you tell people you Mm -hmm. have cancer? Because it's a mixed bag, right? And so we, what we did instead is we told the people closest to us, and then we created a blog. And we basically kind of did a blog diary as it went along. Mm-hmm. so that we could disseminate the information at the rate at which we wanted to. And I had someone be like, you should be doing a podcast about it now. And I'm like, I don't have the bandwidth to like, yeah. do, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so when the pandemic hit, we had this voiceover booth. My husband, you know, works in radio. And so we finally had the time to kind of sit down and really look at what had happened because in anything big that happens, like you have a kid, someone dies, like these major life events happen and we deal with them the best we can. You know, we, we run out of the burning building (laughs) and then you have to deal with the after aftermath and the aftermath is what no one ever talks about. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to do this podcast kind of for us, but also to be like, look, this is what happened. This is how we felt about it. This is what we wish we would have known. Yeah. And hopefully it will be useful to other people. And, you yeah. know, we just, and it has been, which is, which has been lovely. Like I've had a lot of people who've been like, I gave your blog to someone, I gave your podcast to someone. I, and literally that's what we set out to do. Like just to try to take a really shitty situation and try to make other people going through it feel less scared about it if we could. Yeah, yeah, which is an amazing thing to do. Yeah. It it seems like it's exactly that kind of thing. If I'm keeping yeah. it in my back pocket to hand out if everybody needs it. Thanks. <laughs> you yeah, and it's also, you know, it's also why we're like, this is the podcast we hope you never have to listen to. Like, we don't want to yeah. have yeah. any. I hope you don't need this, be, yeah. We hope that no one has to listen to this, you know, so. That being said, it is very entertaining. But well, thank you. <laughs> we try to make it funny. We are very dark, dark, dark in our humor, so. But that's just because yeah. of life. That's how it know. is. Yeah. Well, and being the kind of person, like you said, kind of dives deep into everything, is there any particular uh, maybe cancer supporting charity that you would 
think would be the best to support or that is near and dear to your heart? Uh, some something along those lines. Uh, there's a couple of them. Um, I I am very. My mother died of a rare cancer. Oh, let me try that again. That's okay. Small technical. Okay, you're good. See, no problem. Um, there are a couple of them, actually. Um, my mother died of a rare cancer, and so there's something called Cycle for Survival that benefits rare cancers at Memorial Sloan Kettering. Um, but in the last couple years, there's something called Shea Sharp's Pink Wishes, and it is specifically for younger women, specifically women of color, who are more mm -hmm. likely to die of breast cancer because of inadequate care or inadequate facilities to be able to get the care they need. That helps women go through specifically a metastatic diagnosis. So for me right now, that seems to be the big one that and, you know, that seems to be the big two on my list. Okay. Well, we definitely want to help support those kinds of charities as well. So anybody listening to this out there, if you donate to either of those, that was Cycle for Survival or Shea Sharp's Pink Wishes, right? Did I get that right? Yep. Shea Sharp's uh, Pink Wishes, yeah. Shea, it is a little bit of a tongue twister. Shea Sharp's Pink Wishes. It is, right? Uh, but donate to any of those out there and send us uh, evidence that you did. And uh, Jeff, who is unfortunately had to bail out a little bit because he's an on-call nurse and he got called, so he's out doing what he does. Uh, but he's going to be putting together another giveaway like we've done in the past on this podcast. I'm sure many of you have seen it, heard of it. And if you donate to those and send that in to us, we will put you in to win that. Uh, probably something we'll draw in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, um, we'll put it, We'll put out something on social media. Um, we usually throw together some Star Trek action figures, comic books. There's usually tech manuals, tech manuals in there. <laughs> yeah, whatever stuff Jeff has lying around. I'm going to redonate. I want the tech manual, yeah. man. I is, that the, is that the Michael Akuda one? Is that the big Akuda book? He's he's got several of so those, but he's got two of them. There's an original series one, and then there's the next generation Akuda one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I can say from personal experience, he went out and got a big haul from a friend of ours who had a lot of Trek stuff sitting around. So he went all the way out to Denver really for good. stuff. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Came back with a car full of goodies. He's got all kinds of new stuff, so it's not necessarily just going to be an action figure in a tech manual. There's some really cool stuff coming in that, so we'll be showing that out on social media so Ooh. we can get in on that. Uh, absolutely. And then yeah. is there any, uh, not that people what, necessarily need social medias, but is there anything you want to plug? Yeah. Any upcoming projects, whatever you have going on? Right now, everything is about everything is about the Picard season it's all three. The Picard. Um, yeah, I mean, right <laughs> now we, we don't even know how like, many episodes you're in, and I'm sure you can't tell us. I cannot tell you. It's like every week we just watch the counter yeah. up. Oh, three episodes. Oh, four episodes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? You can't. It's. I feel like I'm less like. Yeah, I was. I'm heavily recurring. That's that's yeah, the, that's yeah, the exactly. phrase, phraseology, right? Multiple that's recurring. That's Phil Loki asking if the character is going to die or not. <laughs> yeah, you know. No, I, I, and I've and we've kind of purposely have avoided having to put you in that kind of a spot to ask anything about the card because we know <laughs> what kind of restrictions there are. You guys, I know. So. Oh Jesus, right? And and then sometimes you're like talking about something, and you'll be like, you, you'll use a turn of phrase, and you're like, oh shit, will someone read into that? Because People read into the things. Oh, yeah. People read into the things. Oh, they yeah. still read into the things. Um, the between the lines has a between the lines that people will go to. So, yeah, yeah right. All the fan right? theories. Um, it's, it's remarkable. <laughs> it's really remarkable. Um, You know, the, the the final the final episodes of Doom Patrol are coming out. Um, I'll be mm -hmm. in those coming up, in I believe, in May. So it's what's great is is we'll roll through, I believe, Picard ends 420 and mm -hmm. then. You got a, like a week or two, and then like Doom Patrol, the rest of it comes out. We, you know, the series finishes nice. out this this season. Okay. So. See, I was I was gonna ask about that, but I didn't want to put you in that position to see it, ask if we were gonna see Hammerhead again because I knew there was some episodes coming out. But yes, um, yes, you will. We will. Beans are spilled. The beans are spilled. Beans are spilled. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm excited to see. I'm excited for everybody to see what they do with oh, it. Yeah. I think, I think, I think they really finish out in a way that will make the fans feel like they've been served. And that's always mm. really important. Yeah. This being the last of it, that is hopefully it's going to have a strong ending. That's all, all we can hope so. for at this point. I was, yeah, I was, you know, with it. Well, and also, I mean, come on, Brendan Fraser just won the Oscar. It's not like, I mean, he's mostly the voice, but I'm like, how are we going to get it back? 
Right. <laughs> yeah, that's what, yeah, that's that's what everybody's saying about Michelle Yao now. It's like, okay, great. She's she's great as the Empress and uh, Captain Georgiou, but it's like, oh, crap. Now, if we want to do anything, now all of a sudden she's Emmy Award winning actress. <laughs> it's like, oh, crap. Yeah, Christ, 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 yeah. Yep. <laughs> you never know. You never know if you, you know, you do you if the story is good enough and you pull yeah. up, a you know, a big. I mean, it is one of those things that that gives you, you know, juice as the as the lead um it allows you to help dictate what kind of set you want who you want in it so you never know like i feel like even though there's an oscar you do you, if story is good enough i mean we never thought so many movie stars would be doing television right so true yeah that's yeah, definitely the trend yeah so well this has been know. a really awesome conversation stephanie we really appreciate you coming on so yeah definitely we have picard finishing off um it's we still have a few more episodes to go so yeah. hopefully we'll see you yeah, for some some, some slash all of them yeah yeah so doom patrol everybody can go check that out when it comes to the season that comes back out on hbo and uh, we did get a text from jeff he wants to us to express very emphatically how much he loves your characters both in doom patrol <laughs> and in picard since he wasn't he, here to say it himself he, he was yeah. very much hoping that he wasn't going to get called out tonight because he was really looking wow. forward to talking to you <laughs> <laughs> well, he is out doing the things that are most important and the hardest, I think, in a lot of ways. So. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. that's kind of the things we deal with. So. Yeah. But yeah. So, anyways, thank you so much, Stephanie. We really appreciate it. And thanks, everybody, man. again, go donate. Send us proof so we can get you put in for the prize pack. And you guys have been amazing, helping to support other charities, Hollywood Food Coalition, and others um, that we raise money for. Um, so yeah, please keep this up. It's a really important thing to Stephanie and to us. And uh, yeah. So thanks, everybody, for your support. Stephanie, again, it was great having you. And we will see everybody again next time. Thank you so much for having me, guys. (laughs) Bye.